Welcome to The Leader's Notebook with Dr. Mark Rutland. Dr. Rutland is a world-renowned leadership expert. He is a New York Times best-selling author, and he has served as the president of two universities. The Leader's Notebook is brought to you by Global Servants. For more information about Global Servants, please visit our website, globalservants.org. Here is your host, Dr. Mark Rutland. I'll never forget one person who sat in my counseling office and said to me, I'm saved. If I were to die right now, I know that I would go to heaven. But he said, the sooner, the better. He said, I'm a Christian, but I'm a miserable Christian. My life is filled with misery. I wonder how many people struggle with that same reality, that salvation for them has become an eternal hope of heaven, not by and by, but the sooner the better. Hello, I'm Mark Rutland. Welcome to The Leader's Notebook. On The Leader's Notebook, we deal with four things, life, leadership, relationships, and faith. Where those all come together is in the emotional and spiritual health of the leader. Where they collide is when unhealth comes and the the toxicity of a leader's life flows out into his relationships. Then it flows out into his leadership and can begin to unravel there. And then his relationship with God begins to be damaged. and, And it's like all four trucks collide at the intersection at the same time. Now, I want to ask you a simple question. Does God want Christianity to just get us to heaven and leave us miserable on the journey? Or does he want us to be whole persons, cleansed not only of sin, but also healed of those things that bring the misery? I believe the latter. I think God wants us to be whole persons, and he has provided the therapeutic truths in Scripture that can free us from those things which keep us bound and hurting and wounded and disrupting and breaking our lives up in pieces. In in my book, Courage to Be Healed, this whole past series, this is the last in a series based on my book, Courage to Be Healed. At the end of this podcast, uh, someone's going to tell you how you can get courage to be healed and how you can get it for all those that you, as you hear this, you say, I, I think of 20 people that need to read this book. I'm thrilled with the response to this book. I, the emails, the letters, the calls, the, the response to it has been tremendous. The sales have been huge. I'm, I'm delighted with that, particularly because I don't keep any of the money from this book. It all goes to support Global Servants uh, Girls Homes in Thailand and Africa. Uh, that is House of Grace. But I'm also thrilled because of the, the help, the healing that people are finding through this book. This book is based on the reality that there are five principal toxins that poison a life. Shame, unforgiveness, rejection, condemnation, and fear. I believe that God wants to tear down and dry up every one of those toxic rivers. He does not want us to live in shame of the past. He does not want us to live in unforgiving mercilessness toward others. He does not want us to live rejected, filled with doubt about his love for us and and rejected not only by others, but by the universe at large and by God himself. He does not want us to live in condemnation. 
and he certainly does not want us to live in fear. He wants our lives put together. All the pieces, good and not so good, fit together. That's called integration. If your life is not integrated, it begins to disintegrate. Instead of unforgiveness and judgmentalism, he wants us to be people of mercy. He wants us to be accepted in the beloved, not rejected. He wants us to be balanced, not living in the unbalanced uh, condemnation of self-absorption. And he wants us to be people of hope, not fear. That's it then, integration, mercy, acceptance, balance, and hope. That's what God wants for you. And, and he wants that for you no matter what. No matter where you've been, no matter the difficulties you've been through, the pain you've experienced, the, the quote-unquote unforgivable sin you think you've committed, God wants your life put back together, filled with mercy, acceptance. He wants you to know that you are accepted in the Beloved and therefore you are acceptable to him. He doesn't want us to live unbalanced lives, but balanced lives. And he wants us to have hope, not only for eternity, but hope for the present time, hope to live without fear. Now, I want to close this whole series with a a picture of Jesus' work of emotional healing. I've heard people say, Jesus never practiced emotional healing, but he certainly did. The man lowered through the rooftop is one example that Jesus, seeing that he is physically infirm, doesn't even address it. Not at first. He does, but not at first. He says, your sins are forgiven. In other words, he deals with his spiritual and emotional sense of condemnation before he deals with his physical healing. He does bring physical healing, but first he deals with what's going on inside of him. But a clearer picture of it, a more comprehensive picture, is from John chapter 21. And I want to close this whole series on emotional healing based on my book, Courage to be Healed. I want to close this whole series with a description of what happens to a man named Simon Peter in John chapter 21. This happens after the crucifixion and the resurrection of Christ. So Simon Peter has failed and failed miserably and publicly at the crucifixion. He denies that he knows Jesus three times publicly. Other people hear it. He even denies it with a curse one time. And he does all of that after Jesus told him that he would. And Peter, in a kind of smug uh, response said, oh, no, Lord, I never would deny you. All these other lightweights might, but I never will. So he's told he will. He does deny Jesus. He doesn't deny him once. He denies him three times, and the third time he curses. Now Jesus is crucified, dead, buried, resurrected, and the disciples are deeply confused. They are an emotionally wounded group. So they not only need spiritual healing, they need emotional healing. Look what's happened. They're filled with pain. They are afraid. One of their number, Judas Iscariot, has hanged himself because of condemnation, one of the five toxins. And Simon Peter has not hanged himself, but he is filled with pain and condemnation. To the extent that he says to the others, I'm through with all this. 
I'm going back to Galilee, and I'm going back to our fishing boats. That's where we met Jesus, and I'm going back to fishing. So they go. They go back to Galilee. They go back to the boat. They fish all night. They catch nothing. The next morning, they look over on the shore, and there's a man standing there. And he says, have you caught anything? They say, nothing. He says, cast the net on the right side, and you will. So for some reason, they do that. And as they pull the nets up, they bulge with fish. Now, that is a recreation of the scene where they met Jesus, where Jesus comes to them the first time in their boat, cast your net on the right side. They pull it up. The fish are bulging so much that the nets begin to break. They have to bring the other boat. They have to fill both boats with fish. So Jesus is taking them all for emotional healing back to the past. That's counseling. We're going to experience this. This is where I met you. This is what you experienced. John recognizes it. Simon Peter doesn't. John says that's Jesus over there on the beach. Peter does the most amazing thing. He jumps in the water and swims to shore. The others bring the boat along slowly, but Peter gets there first. Why does he do that? Because he has projected his own condemnation onto Jesus. And he thinks Jesus is going to condemn him. He thinks Jesus is going to say, you craven, gutless little rat. I told you you'd deny me, and you said you wouldn't, and you did it, and you did it three times, so I'm finished with you. The others can have breakfast. You just sit over there and watch. That's what Peter thinks is going to happen, and he doesn't want the other disciples to see it. So he comes up out of the lake, wet, cold, miserable, and into the presence of Jesus. Before he can make any speech about how sorry he is, Jesus says, come and have breakfast. Now, I just want you to sense this. Jesus doesn't want Peter miserable. Jesus doesn't want you miserable. He doesn't want you wallowing in the past, afraid of the future. He wants you in his presence, restored, refreshed, and with him in communion. Now, at the time of that, he says, do you love me? He asks him three times, and three times Peter responds. Why would he ask him three times? He is taking him back to the moment where he denied Jesus three times so that his love can heal that condemnation for those three failures. God may take you back to your failures to see them, experience them, remember them, but not to condemn you. It's that you might be healed and forgiven. All three times, he says to him, feed my sheep, feed my lambs, feed my sheep. Why? Because he is not only restoring him in forgiveness, he is restoring him to his sense of destiny, purpose, and ministry. When Simon Peter extends his hands out over the fire, and their eyes meet, he and Jesus meet, there is a fascinating verse of Scripture. It says, the fire that Jesus has built is a charcoal fire. There are only two places in the whole New Testament where a charcoal fire is mentioned. One is here in John chapter 21, right there on the beach, the Sea of Galilee, where Peter, having failed and fallen, is warming his hands and looks in Jesus' eyes. The other is on Caiaphas' courtyard where Peter denied Jesus. It says he warmed his hands at a charcoal fire. So Jesus is taking him back 
to the moment of his failure. He's processing the past. This is wonderful emotional healing that the wonderful counselor is giving him wonderful counsel, taking him back. Remember this. Remember how it felt. Now, let me be here. Let me be with you in it. Let me restore you. Let me tell you that I forgive you. Let me restore you to purpose and ministry and mission. So it's a wonderful example of inner healing from emotional damage, setting him free from condemnation and fear, and restoring him not only to relationship, but to a future with hope and not fear. I read a a survey one time about Americans, and this magazine had sent out a a survey to thousands and thousands of people. They responded, and it was kind of a funny little survey. What do you most enjoy other people saying to you? What's your favorite phrase to hear someone else say to you? They took all of these thousands of responses and collated the top three. So here they are. I bet you could guess number one. What do Americans most love to hear someone else say to them? I, I, I guessed it, and I bet you can guess it. I love you. We love to hear somebody say, I love you. I was not surprised at number one at all. Number two did surprise me. What they wanted to hear, second only to I love you, Americans, these Americans who responded to this survey, wanted to hear, I forgive you. We live with so much condemnation. We are filled with guilt, and we just don't know where to take it. If people could just know to take it and pour all that out at the feet of Jesus, 1 John 1, 9, if anyone will confess his sins, God is faithful and just to forgive him and cleanse him of all unrighteousness. I love you. I forgive you. The two things that we want to hear the most. Do you know what the third thing was? It'll make you laugh. It made me laugh when I read it. The third thing that Americans most want to hear Supper's ready. Isn't that fascinating? I was laughing, and then suddenly I said, oh, my lands. That's the whole gospel. That is the ministry that the church offers today. Every time we celebrate Holy Communion, we stand behind that sacred table with those holy elements spread out before the congregation. And we are able to say, in the authority of God Almighty and Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I love you, I forgive you, come and dine. Come and dine, the master calleth, come and dine. We can feast at Jesus' table anytime. I love you, I forgive you, come and dine. That is the ministry of emotional and spiritual healing that Jesus offers us. He says, I don't want you broken and dismembered and disintegrated. I don't want you living in fear and condemnation and shame. I want you whole and well and at the table with me, looking me right in the eye and hearing me say, I love you. I forgive you. Now let's eat. What a wonderful God. And what a wonderful, wonderful dream God has for your life to be whole, well, and restored. Listen to me, my friend. God does not want you broken in pieces and in misery on your way to heaven. He wants you whole and well and filled with joy and healing. I recommend this book to you. 
not simply because I wrote it, but because so many people are finding so much hope and help, courage to be healed. And I want you to have this book. There's going to be a voice right now at the end of this podcast telling you how you can get it and how you get it for those that you care about. And I hope you will. Now, until we meet again, this is Mark Rutland. I thank you for listening to The Leader's Notebook. To order a copy of Courage to be Healed for yourself or someone you love, please visit the store at drmarkrutland.com. Enter the promo code COURAGE for 30% off. To order by the case, please call us at 888-823-8772. Thank you for listening to The Leader's Notebook.